Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O God. Amen. Light was beginning to be perceived at the end of a very dark and difficult year. A grim cancer diagnosis had accompanied the New Year's arrival, and while the one who was like a brother to me remained optimistic, I knew that this new year was going to be more difficult than most. Eliza's sister Laura's recent kidney failure diagnosis had already assured that. Furthermore, the second year of COVID undeterred by the advent of much anticipated and prayed for vaccines continued seemingly undiminished as new variants arose one of which would take a last of the summer sojourn to our home despite our best efforts to literally provide no room at our inn. First, though, would come the retirements. And the loss of two, there were more friends than colleagues. Followed soon thereafter by cancer winning the battle and snuffing out the life of one who had for all intents and purposes walked with me in every step of ministry since I began the journey. He was the first person in my life to learn of Eliza, to meet Eliza, and then he co-officiated our wedding. And now he was gone. Throughout it all, I had fought a little-known but heated war against the darkness that had surrounded me at so many times in adulthood as the losses of the year and those of previous years, my sorrow over the state of the world and the seeming powerlessness to do anything about it eclipsed the light, weighed down my soul, and more than once came close to outflanking me. The light, though, was starting to break forth. My parents were beginning to enjoy the full fruits of retirement and were scheduled to take a family vacation with us starting on Boxing Day to Philadelphia after we had convinced them that we, unlike they, could drive in the snow. I finally had reached a decision about pursuing my doctorate, 
slaying a depressive demon that had overshadowed my previous pursuit of theological education at Duke. And for the first time in 21 years, I picked up my horn and joined with other alums and current marching Tar Heels and played in a basketball pep band the night before this very service a year ago, putting to rest another demon and allowing the light further radiance in my life. I looked at Eliza at the end of that service a year ago and I breathed a little smile as I said, another down, two more services to go. Little did I know that the light was about to be eclipsed again upon our return home. For it was during a call after my arrival home to my father that my world would be thrown not just into turmoil, but completely out of its orbit. I had awakened Dad from a nap, and he commented that he couldn't move his legs. Soon would come a call from Mother to come home immediately, a trip to Chapel Hill, a helpless, endless moment by Dad's bedside as he coded, and then a doctor's grim face followed by a diagnosis. The light now gone as a new year dawned with the knowledge that this year would be more grievous and unbearable than the last. And so it proved to be. Every bright moment followed almost instantly by increasingly oppressive darkness until that call in mid-September to come home immediately once more. This time, another grim-faced doctor offered a final diagnosis, an unending and unbearable fortnight's wait began. And then the phone once more pierced the darkness and said that my hero had at last slipped his moorings here and journeyed, as Shakespeare wrote, to that undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns. This loss would have been sufficient. But upon our return home from laying Dad to rest, we were greeted the next day with the news that our Scarlet's living situation with us was going to change and do so in a way I found and continue to find egregiously intolerable and unacceptable. And so we experienced two huge, staggering, and life-altering losses in less than a week. And so it was that the dark began to laugh as it grew darker than it had ever grown in the previous 25 years. And I wondered whether it would be easier to simply surrender and at last bring an end to this long war I have fought these last 25 years against the dark. Each year I have to draw on some of my own personal journey as I determine how to speak to the issue of making it through the longest night. 
but it still remains somewhat abstract. This year, there is no abstraction. There is very much concrete hurt, questioning, directionless wandering, piercing pain, grievous sorrow, and above all else, darkness, an ever-present cacophonous darkness. It is an uneasy and strange place to find oneself having no answers when you've spent your career offering advice in times just like these. Yet isn't that the nature of grief's dark night? Uncharted and unnavigable waters with each trip upon the waters being different than any previous trip before. How can we ever find our way under such capricious conditions? For me, one of the things I have had to do is embrace the darkness as I found myself expending too much energy and time trying to push away the dark. I recognize that such an approach seems counterintuitive, particularly in light of some of my previous statements, and by no means should be interpreted as a surrender to the dark. No, much as there is little to anything you and I can do to stop the physical darkness that accompanies this season of the year, there is likewise little to anything we can do to stop the grief that will accompany the losses of life. In fact, they would cease to be considered losses if we had neither invested something into the situation or person nor been invested in by someone or something else. Losses are felt because someone or something that poured life into us is gone and we become drier and less verdant because of the absence. It will by necessity hurt, be accompanied by grief, and like the solstice that we mark tonight, cannot be stopped, and so we must embrace it. Our embrace, though, should not be injurious, but constructive. The scriptures are filled with instances where the lowly and the mighty have turned grief and the accompanying darkness into a constructive process. Our recent study of the Maskell Psalms, one of which we heard earlier this evening, are illustrative of this fact as people who are feeling deep loss and abandonment have turned their plights into songs of instruction for the ages. Likewise, the entire book of Lamentations is one continuous examination of the writer's grief and the darkness that surrounds him and his community over the loss of Jerusalem. The havoc that has resulted from Jerusalem's fall and particularly the loss of so much life. The writer's embrace of the deep darkness is lost to us in English. But to a Hebrew reader, one will find six beautifully constructed acrostics matching the 22-letter Hebrew alphabet as well as a seventh 22-verse poem. It takes time 
to formulate such a composition, particularly while enduring such dark and painful an emotion as grief. In addition to the wanton hunger and deprivation the writer is suffering, and yet the writer accomplishes it beautifully, thereby instructing us to constructively embrace the prevailing darkness. I recognize that embracing the darkness is fearful and fraught with legitimate mental health dangers that we neither can nor should flippantly dispel. However, as someone who can't remember what it is like to breathe without fearing a downturn in mental health, embracing the dark in the manner I just prescribed is in some ways freeing because it allows us to continue to move. One of the great dangers of grief is the failure to adequately process all that we are feeling. By embracing the dark, we allow ourselves to journey through grief just as we are journeying around the sun. Tonight, we sit in the longest night of the year. Tomorrow, the day gets a little longer. It will seem almost imperceptible at first, but gradually it will grow more recognizable. Yes, there will be starts and stops. Sometimes we will jump way ahead in our processes. Sometimes we will jump back and lose ground, just as we do when we change our clocks to spring forward or fall back. It is part of the whole process of our ever-spinning planet. And yes, it is an apt descriptor of journeying through grief as well. Just as it would cause catastrophic disruption to environmental and physiological processes should the earth cease to spin, likewise we harm ourselves when we fail to journey through grief and recognize that this long, dark night in which we travel will ebb and flow but it is always spinning toward the bright light of dawn. Herein is the great promise of this night. We are spinning towards dawn. There has never been a 24-hour period in human history where one who constantly looks east has not seen the sun eventually pierce the distant horizon. It is connivingly easy to view the new day's arrival as just another fresh hell that we must endure. The writer of Lamentations certainly understands such a hellish existence when he writes, my soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continuously remembers it and is bowed down within me. Yet the writer we recall has embraced the dark through his poetic work has recognized it for what it is, has not ignored his grief and attempted to push it away. 
the writer's world has continued to spin. And so immediately after saying he has forgotten what happiness is and that his soul is bowed down within him, he exclaims, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. The mental and emotional night might be long. We may have what the ancient mystic John of the Cross described as the dark night of the soul, but each time the sun pierces the horizon, we know that God has given us new mercy, not superficial mercy either, I might add. The word here is a deep and abiding compassion to match the day that we face. And as those mercies continue to manifest in our lives, the night becomes a little shorter and a little shorter for where God's mercy rests, hellish cannot be used to describe it. And so we continue on this longest night to journey toward the ever-lengthening day until at last we reach that day that those whom we love and mourn this night have already reached. That day where night will never come again. And for that, for that, we say, thanks be to God. We light four candles tonight in honor of our loved ones. We light one for our grief, one for our courage, one for our memories, and one for our love. We light the candle representing our grief. We own the pain of losing loved ones, of dreams that go unfulfilled, of hopes that evaporate in despair. We light the candle representing our courage. It symbolizes the courage to confront our sorrow to comfort each other, to share our feelings honestly and openly with each other, and to dare to hope in the midst of pain. We light the candle representing our memories. For the times we laughed together, cried together, were angry with each other or overjoyed with each other, we light this candle for the memories of caring and joy we shared together. We light the candle representing our love, the love we have given, 
and the love we have received. The love that has gone unacknowledged and unfelt and the love that has been shared in times of joy and sorrow. Tonight we remember first those we have lost in our fellowship since we last gathered on the longest night. Kenneth Hepler, Ronald Thompson, Jerry Sharp, John Horn, Shirley Bradley, Susie Petty, Ronnie Whitten, Sarah Manus, Ruby Allison, Donald Danny, Marion Holyfield, Othello Trawick. You are now invited to come forward to light one of the votive candles which represents your burdens, griefs, sorrows, all those things that make Christmas a blue time for you. You may speak the name or the event if you wish to do so. When you have lighted your candle or candles, you may return to your seat. Come forward to pray silently.
We light the Christ candle, remembering that Jesus Christ is always in the center of our lives. He hears our cries. He knows our hearts. And in the midst of all of our thoughts and emotions, he offers us hope and healing. Let us pray. Comforting God, wrap us in your presence in this time of remembrance. With these candles, help us find your light, a light that will guide us day by day, step by step, as we try to live life fully and wholly. We cherish the special ways in which we have been touched by our loved ones. We thank you for the gift their lives have been to us. And now, O oh God, we pray that you would comfort us, encourage us, and empower us for the days ahead. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound.